We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. Joining me, as always... My friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. We come to you as we have been for now, gosh, over a week here down in the uh, harbor here in Sydney from the Women's World Cup. And we come to you to review what has just happened, the United States versus Netherlands in their second game of this World Cup here in group stage. 1-1, it finishes, Mossy. Initial thoughts. A lot to unpack with this game. All I'm going to say is, in the lead-up to this World Cup, every guest we had, I asked them about Vlad Kontanovsky and how confident they felt that he was the right coach to lead the U.S. to another World Cup title. And everybody told me, no concerns. Vladko is the right guy. He's not an issue. But I am starting to have some doubts. Uh, I already had some doubts going into this tournament, and today increased those doubts because he did some strange stuff. All right, well, let's start with the first half. And it it was a tale of two halves for the U.S. First half, uh, it was awful. I thought that the Netherlands was better from a physical perspective. I thought that the Netherlands came on and punched the United States in the face. And the U.S. women's national team had nothing in response. I thought that they won most duels. I thought that they won second balls. So from a physical perspective, they were better. From a tactical perspective, playing three in the back and a true three in the back, because we all know people say it's three and it ends up being five, a true three in the back and uh, overloading the midfield. Now, That in and of itself is a tactical decision, but it's not as if they just came out of nowhere in terms of the way that this Dutch team plays. So Vladko and Donovsky and his staff should have been aware that that happened. And I'm I'm sure they were, but they didn't adjust for it, and it very, very quickly became a problem for this U.S. team. And then, from a technical standpoint, the ability of this Dutch team to play out of the back with one and two touches, and even on the goal, ultimately, with the wonderful setup touch and the finish, it just showed that in that first half, this Dutch team was miles ahead of this U.S. team. Now, 
tale of two halves. Second half was a little different. First half thoughts in terms of uh, the way that the U.S. played and obviously the way that the Netherlands played. They ended up uh, scoring, a, scoring a goal, completely due, completely valid, completely merited. Yeah, the wrinkle was playing Spitza, who's a midfielder by trade, as one of those back three. She struggled a little bit defensively, but her passing out of the back uh, really benefited them. I actually thought the opening minutes of this game reminded me a little bit of the U.S.-Netherlands round of 16 game at the last Men's World Cup, in which the U.S. did all the attacking, and then the Netherlands kind of hit them on the counter against the run of play, the Joe Ruud go. But then, I agree with you, the Dutch then settled into the game. Uh, the U.S. shrunk from it. So by the time we got to halftime, it felt like the Dutch were good value for that lead. When the uh, when the lineup came out, and it was an unchanged lineup, and so therefore no Rose Lavelle. I mean, because you talked about Vladko and Arnowski, and so I I'm asking you, let's let's stick to the first half. What were your concerns as that was happening, either when the lineup came out or when the first whistle blew, or then when we got into the the meat of that first half? Yeah, after the first game, I wondered if he was tinkering because it was Vietnam, or if that was the eleven that he considered his best for this World Cup with the exception of, obviously, Rose Lavelle. I assume when she's fit enough to start, she'll come in for DeMello. But Vlaco said that she was fit and ready to go. And obviously, what that means and what percentage it means, but not enough to start against the best team in the group stage? Well, today confirmed that he does consider this his best lineup, that one question mark over Rose notwithstanding. And it's a really entrenched 11 because... Rose aside, he didn't feel confident going to anybody else on the bench, which we'll get to when we talk about the second half, which makes you think he, he believes the starters are way better than any other option he has at those positions. Yeah, I mean, there, there was, I think there was a frustration by those of us that were watching. I, I'm sure at home there was a frustration that it was not going well in the first half. But it, it's not the worst thing in the world for this U.S. to actually face a, a quality opponent. That they didn't respond in the first half is a little concerning. So we get to halftime, and look, we, we judge coaches on their ability to make adjustments. And you're not always going to get it right, but you do have moments, in particular at halftime, where you can do some different things and, and substitutions. So Rose then comes in, and while the tactical formation doesn't necessarily change, how the formation plays and the quality of Rose relative to what was out there immediately increases, and it had an immediate impact. So I think the Rose change was, was warranted, but I think it was also obvious, and everybody knew, including Vlad Landonovsky. Yeah. Even he was able to see that that needed to be made. I'm not going to give him too much credit on that one. And it was a tale of two subs at halftime because Rose came on, that improved the U.S., and Stephanie van der Graft, who scored for the Dutch in the opener against Portugal and was having a very good game marshalling that back line, she had to come off, and I think that weakened the Dutch. So the combination of those two developments, I think, really helped the U.S. in the second half. All right, so then we get to the second half. And the U.S. much more fluid, much more, much more confident. And ultimately, I think that this game boils down to, and we talked about it on set with Carly Lloyd, is poking the bear. And the Lindsey Horan and uh, Van der Donk, uh, I don't know what you call it, relationship. Now, by all accounts, they are friends off the field. They know each other well. They are teammates. They, um, I would think, know each other as people, too. And... On the field, you are competitors, and you cannot necessarily be friends on the field. You can have a respect for your, for your, uh, for your opponent, but I don't think that you can be friends. And, you know, there was, there was, a, uh, there was a good back and forth, a wonderful drama, wonderful theater. Vanderdale comes in and, you know, takes her out. Not a horrible tackle, but in that moment, she's hurt. There was back and forth. There's pushing. There's jarring. There's, you know, talking of uh, smack and all that kind of stuff. 
and it just kind of continued on and continued on. And what Carly Lloyd said on our, uh, on our set was that she thought that they poked the bear. And this was a miscalculation because obviously in that moment, you get in, uh, you get in Lindsay Horan's face, you're going back and forth, you're jarring, and it's not just anybody. This is her quote unquote friend. And in that moment, Lindsay Aran said, I don't want to deal with it. And I have no idea what the referee was saying, by the way. And, that was, and it was a weird, really weird moment there where he brought them together and wanted it to be all kumbaya and wanted them to kiss and make up and shake hands and do all that. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to do that. As long as they're not beating each other up on the field, then you just, you just go on. And I, I can appreciate a referee trying to settle down players, but it just seemed very theatrical, unnecessarily theatrical in that moment. And from a U.S. perspective, as far as poking the bear... Lindsay Rand said, nope, this is, the, and, and she went at the near post. And you know what? You didn't even have to see the play developed. Because first off, the Dutch are playing uh, zone. Second off, the ball was perfect. And it, you could just see that she said, all right, you know what? You're going to scream and yell at me, and I'm going to come right back, and I'm going to put this right down your throat. And whatever tide uh, was going back and forth, it completely changed the U.S. after that. That perfect ball from Rose Lavelle. From Rose Lavelle, exactly. That dynamic of club teammates scoring off the international level always fascinates me. And you're right, it was an astonishing sequence. And the fact that it was capped off with Haran scoring, that's two and two games for her, the co-captain. She's really emerging as the leader of this U.S. team. And remember the backstory here. She began as a starter at the last World Cup and then got dropped, didn't play at all in the final against the Netherlands. She's been very bitter about that the last four years. So the fact that she started captain the team against the Netherlands today, scored the goal, uh, it's a bit of a story of redemption for her. Uh, And yeah, that's how we get our 1-1 final. Okay, but I think the big and maybe the bigger type of story is, and I know we're all coaches at home, we all sit on our couches and say, why isn't this person doing this? Why isn't this person doing that? And just because you have substitutions available doesn't necessarily mean that it's prudent or right for you to do it. And you can certainly see a game and a situation arise where you say, you know what, I don't want to mess with it. It's not broken. I feel it's going in the right direction. And I guess you could make a case for that. But Mossy, this is the U.S. women's national team. This is a historically great team. This is a historically talented team with incredible depth. This is the best 23 players that the U.S. has to offer. And in this moment, when the game was one-to-one, when winning the game would make a big difference in terms of winning the group, Vlako Nanoski turned, looked down his bench, and came to the conclusion that there is nothing there on that bench that is going to change the game for the better for me right now. And so I'm better off standing pat and not making a change. This is a little bit weird. Again, I can, I can, I can see a defense, but for the most part, and I think the majority of people, we are left scratching our head as this, as this, was, uh, as this was done. A uh, great tweet by Paul Carr. Right. In 40 World Cup games since 1999, this was the second time the U.S. women's national team made only one sub. The other was the 2007 opener versus North Korea, a 2-2 draw. The sub was Natasha Kai. All right. Well, so this but Paul was... Carr, huh? he's on it. Uh, he's on it. He's, he's, I love Paul Carr. Uh, but I agree with everything you said. And the options he bypassed, you had Lynn Williams, who scored against the Netherlands in the Olympics. You had Megan Rapino, who scored a big goal or two in her career. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa, Alyssa Thompson, Thompson yeah. could have brought some energy against a tired back line. Um, so I don't understand it. One of the U.S.'s great trump cards at this World Cup is their squad depth, which is better than anybody else's. And for him to not utilize that today was stunning to me. You, you say that. Do you really believe that? I mean, are, have we been led to believe something that ends up not being true? I mean, could Vladko have a better handle on it in that maybe it 
it is false in that there's not as much depth as we actually think. I think losing Macario and Swanson uh, yeah. sapped a little bit of the attacking depth, but still, I look at that, I mean, we just mentioned three pretty good names to have off the bench. You know, you put one of them on, maybe it's their day, they score a goal. And so. it'd be one thing if Trinity Rodman or Sophia Smith were lighting it up, or Alex Morgan. I know there are a lot of calls to, uh, to change out Alex Morgan uh, up there. And so none of the three was dominating the game. While the U.S. had come into their own and at times was dominating, you never got the sense necessarily that, that any of those three were going to break through. And they, and they had their opportunity. So if he had made changes to any of those three up top, I don't think that there is a U.S. fan out there that would have said, oh, that's ridiculous. I can't believe that he's doing that. As a matter of fact, I think the majority of fans out there were saying, do something. Make a change. Freshen it up. If, if nothing else, okay, so obviously two ends of the spectrum here, but if you're putting in Alyssa Thompson, it's for that speed. Yes, youth and inexperience, but for that speed. And if it's you're into the 70, 80th minute of the game and somebody comes in that is just blazing speed, no team wants to see that. And then if you're putting in someone like a Megan Rapino, that's much more of a on-the-ball type of stuff, which the U.S. had kind of gravitated to and become in that second half. So it is a, it is a bit of a head-scratcher, and I think Blackco's going to have to answer probably for a long time about why that's the decision. Now, why is this result important? Because we talked from the start of this group. Uh, goal differential could be massive. And it's one thing if you think, you know what, we're going to beat the Dutch and it's not really going to matter. But what, is, what was predicted has now happened in that the U.S. only 3-0 in that first game against Vietnam. And now you, get the, uh, you only get a point against the Netherlands. So now you have to be assured that not only you're going to beat Portugal, but that the Netherlands is not going to score more goals. Do you think that the Netherlands is going to score more goals? You know, it's somewhat similar to the situation we had in the Gold Cup, the last set of games where the U.S. played Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica played St. Kitts and Nevis, and we all assumed that Jamaica was going to light up and the U.S. might be in trouble goal difference-wise, and the U.S. ended up winning by a bigger margin. Uh, I wonder about the Dutch. I have not been overly impressed by their attack in these first two games, so I'm not sure they're going to hang that big a number on Vietnam, which is good news for the U.S., but certainly Portugal is the tougher team of the two. And by the way, I expect Portugal to beat Vietnam later today, which means they're going to go into that U.S. game knowing a win they go through. So they're going to come at the U.S., which could make for an interesting game. I've been saying Portugal is not your typical debutante. They're a pretty good team with some legit players. So it sets up for a fascinating final day of group play in Group D. Uh, both of these teams are in my power rankings. Uh, and I will tell you right now that I don't think any of them or either of them benefited after this game, uh, despite the, the much better second half uh, going forward. Yeah, and if the U.S. does finish second in their group, it likely means Sweden in the round of 16, which is a team that's had their number beat them 3-0 in the last Olympics. And then I keep thinking ahead to a potential matchup with Spain and the way they're playing. The U.S. would have to play much, much better than they did today to even have a chance in that game. And again, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it is easier, and you, you, you want to do the things. Can I just take a step back again on Vladko Andonovsky? Of course you can. We talk about the U.S.'s big game pedigree a lot, but... That was all under Joe Ellis. You think about it under Vladko, just two wins in six games at the Olympics. They lost to Sweden. They lost to Canada. They tied Australia. They tied the Netherlands, advanced on penalties. They then had that three-game losing streak against England, Spain, and Germany. They tied the Netherlands today. It came out flat. So that is an issue if you're thinking about the U.S. Uh, winning this tournament, that under Vladko the last couple of years against elite competition, they have not really had a lot of great performances, statement wins. Uh, they've tended to struggle in these games. Yeah, uh, There is a a sneaking suspicion and a, and a worry in the back of my mind that this team, when they are challenged from a tactical perspective with something that they, can't, they haven't faced or they don't know how to solve when they face it, 
and they just simply rely on the incredible athleticism and the speed that they have and, you know, a, a history that that they are going to struggle. And at some point, they are going to come up against that. Now, they, they came up against that a little bit against the Netherlands, but not completely. But all in all, you get your point. So now you take your chances in that third game against Portugal. Still plenty to play for. Um, but I think that there are more concerns now with this team after this result than before the game. And you know, that in and of itself is a story that we will certainly be following. Uh, anything before we go? This was our first marquee matchup of this yes. tournament. There's more forthcoming, France-Brazil, uh, Australia-Canada. Uh, so the, the group stage is going to pick up now. I know it's been a little bit of a slow burn so far, this Women's World Cup, but there's a lot of exciting games to come. Yeah, we got two more games today, uh, as you mentioned, so our work is not done. We got a little bit of a break here, and then we're right back at it. Uh, I know how much you love me, uh, love when I talk about the stuff behind the scenes, including my wardrobe here. These are my elephant uh, cufflinks, so any time in uh, the U.S. is playing, I put on my elephant cufflinks, all right? And I put on my U.S. soccer watch here, okay? So I was sporting the colors. These were given to me by, uh, by my wife. And uh, by the way, she just uh, finished first in her tennis tournament. Uh, I just said, so congratulations. Congratulations there to her. There you go, yes. there you go. So uh, she's going to bed now, as most people are. She might even already be in bed, so she might not even hearing this. But I hope you're doing well wherever you are watching the State of the Union. Keep uh, reviewing, keep subscribing, Keep rating, keep downloading, keep doing all those things. We will bring it to you each and every day with all of the action, whether it's relative to the World Cup here in Australia and New Zealand or any of the other stories that are happening. The State of the Union continues to roll on. Thanks also to State Farm, as always, for being the, uh, the presenter here each and every day. We will talk to you again tomorrow. There's more soccer, so don't go anywhere. Uh, and until then, and as always, my friends, size the day.